This episode of The Sleeper and the Bus is brought to you by Out of the Park Baseball 18, the best baseball strategy game ever made. Available now on PC, Mac, and Linux platforms. It's officially licensed by MLB and MLBPA, allowing you to take any team from any era, from any level, and run it the way you want with unprecedented depth, control, and authenticity. New for this year, 2017 opening day rosters, historic Negro League integration, run the ultimate what-if scenarios, tournaments, fall leagues, a redesigned injury system, an improved 3D game, real-time presentation, and game highlights, improved player morale, and team chemistry, and so much more. Out of the Park Baseball 18 has the full sleeper in the bust stamp of approval. We all play it and have for years. Even better, if you buy now through the Sleeper in the Bust podcast, you'll receive a special 10% discount off the retail price of $39.99 by going to ootpdevelopments.com, click on the order banner, and just enter the code SLEEPER18 at checkout to not only get a discount, but also help support the Sleeper in the Bust, indie sports video game development, and all the people who work to bring you the great game of Out of the Park Baseball 18. Once again, just go to ootpdevelopments.com, click on the order banner, then enter the code SLEEPER18 at checkout for a special discount and to support our show. Guys, I, I'm obsessed with this game. It is so much fun. Um, I played a lot of OTP17. You guys have heard me talk about my Twitch streams, twitch.tv slash pspore24. I was streaming my 17 franchise over there. I, I, I did a fantasy draft in 1995. I was able to get Ken Griffey Jr., and Pedro Martinez. I don't know what the computer was thinking there, uh, letting letting both of those guys get there. I took Pedro with my first pick, and then and then got Ken Griffey Jr. I haven't started my new eighteen one for um, for streams yet, but I'm going to. And I'm actually just gonna gonna start over. I, I I won the World Series that first year with the with the seventeen team, but I'm gonna start a new one. We'll do the draft at some point soon, so stay tuned for that. But out of the park is is just so much fun. You've heard me talk about. Uh, other baseball video games I like, they're, they're two different experiences. This is the sim, in-depth, management sort of deal, and then the other game is, is playing. So um, I absolutely love this game. One last time, ootpdevelopments.com. Sleeper18 is, is your discount code. Uh, that lets them know that we, that we sent you there, and they give you a little bit of uh, a little bit off the top as well. If you do play the game, let me know. Let me know what you're doing with it. Let me know what, uh, what team you're going with, whether you're starting historically or going from now. Uh, if you do the fantasy draft, hit me up on Twitter, at Spora. I love kind of seeing how people go because it, it doesn't just play out 100% to, to history. Things can change and you can have guys you know you can have a failed prospect that actually pans out for you so i I love seeing that stuff definitely hit me up there um and 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 thanks for supporting the show by by going to ootpdevelopments.com Welcome to episode 475 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Saturday, July 1st. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined by a very special guest, Ian Kahn. Welcome back to the show. Thanks, Paul. I'm, I'm feeling less special. This is twice now. This so is twice, but you should feel special because it's just you. There's no hey, Jason. that's right. I, Jason, he, the Lou Gehrig is out. We and Wally, I'm Wally Pippen. Yep. I'm, yeah, but I'm the reverse. You've, you've lost Gehrig, know. and now you got Wally Pippen there. I don't know about that. Maybe we just had two Gehrigs. Uh, yeah, Jason, 4th of July... Uh, family, the things going on. He's like, you know, I'm not going to be able to record. And you had offered 
to be a guest at some point. So well, what about what about Saturday the first? So we're in on it. I'm very excited to talk. Uh, we got a lot of good stuff to talk about here for the waiver episode. We're actually going to talk some Yankees. That's that's your neck of the woods. It's a team that you follow. Uh, we're going to talk three individual Yankees: pitcher, hitter, and then a guy on the uh, on the come up, two start pitchers, and then we'll get to at least Trey Turner. Uh, replacements. We'll talk. We'll talk a little bit about that, and then if we have time, we'll talk some free agent hitters as well. But Ian, I want to start right away on these Yankees because you've got thoughts on on three really interesting Yankees, and I want to start with Masahiro Tanaka. That outing the other day, uh, last week, I think it was a week ago, Friday, uh, against you Darvish. I was flying out to San Diego. Of course, I missed that. His best start of the year. Just a, an amazing duel between the two of them. He follows it up with another solid outing. We starting to see some things from Masahiro Tanaka. What, what, what are you seeing right now? You know, I remember your podcast, your solo podcast, you did about a week and a half ago, where you were telling you were you were first on this, talking about how now is a good time to to buy in on Tanaka, and um, and you were right. And I, what I'm seeing here in the last couple of starts, you know, he's a Japanese pitcher, and I, I I'm I'm always fascinated by Japanese pitchers because of Tim McLeod, who always talks about you know Jap- the Japanese pitchers. And when he, I was he watching, taught me about Tanaka, by the way, at the Arizona Fall League. That's the first time I became aware was because of Tim McLeod. Yeah, right. Well, Tim is the Tim is the is the go to guy without a doubt. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I grabbed Tanaka early in the in a rookie draft years ago. And I, you know, not only is he a Yankee, but he's just a pitcher that I love to watch pitch. He brings such focus, concentration, great stuff. And what I've seen in the last two starts, first it started in the Boston start where he was just getting rolled. I mean, the guys, they he couldn't get anybody out. And you could just see this look on his face where he's like, I'm not, who who am I? <laughs> I'm supposed to be a lot, <laughs> lot better than this guy. And you sort of started to see uh, some doubt creep in. Now, it's been sort of well known that he's got an injury problem, that he could have gone for TJ surgery at any point over the course of the last maybe Definitely. 18 months. Has a partially torn UCL a lot of guys are operating with partially torn. We don't know 10, 20. We don't know what percentage, right? And, and, and other guys have it. He's obviously pitching through it. Tanaka is, but it's something that always lingers. And I think that's what keeps his price down a little bit, too. Yeah, definitely in dynasty leagues, he's cheaper than he should be because because of that, or at the price that is appropriate with that situation. Because in any moment, it could tear and he could go. And I think that when he's pitching, that that is in his own mind as well. So instead of going like you know a hundred percent like he did when he first came out, I mean the guy was just if you remember, I think it was twenty fourteen. Yeah, 14, 25. He was just dominant. He was untouchable. You could so not great. hit the guy. He Only was throwing a solo shot every once in a while. That that was it. A solo but, homer and then nothing for the team. Mid nineties, com- mid nineties consistently command like you know hitting a pin on the lower on the outside corner with this amazing fork ball. The the sl- everything everything was working for the guy. But then when the injury started to creep up, you could see him just take you know, 20% off of his game or 15%. It's like, I, I don't want to let it go. Then that that matchup against Darvish, man, I watched that whole game. That was, and I, I think you were on a plane and we were texting and I was saying, like, you're seeing like the best of Japan. You're seeing like the best of the planet right now so with these two awesome. guys. Unbelievable. And what he was doing in that game was he was like, you know what? If I blow out my arm, I'm going to blow out my arm against you, Darvish, in this game because yep. I want to win this game. So you saw him go right back up to 100%. He was back up to 95, 95, 96, as opposed to 92, which is a huge difference. His, everything was, splitter was dropping. Everything was, he was at perfect, he was playing, and you could just see that there was no fear behind his game. So I wanted to see if that was going to happen again this week against Chicago, and it was there. 
that same energy, that same sense. So it's almost like, you know, I think there's thought of, is he going to walk away from his contract in the offseason? I think he's putting that out of his mind. And he's like, you know what? I'm just going to give it everything I have. If it goes, it goes. I need to be Masahiro Tanaka. And, and to it's amazing point, to watch, and it's fun. To your point, 93.5 in the Texas start, 94 in the Chicago start. The two highest velocity averages for the season for Tanaka. He is saying, you know what? He let it go in the Texas start, and it worked. Mm-hmm. And he's saying, you know what? I'm going to let it go now. It yep. Just, so it, I think gonna, the buying opportunity, the buying opportunity is still there. Um, certainly mm-hmm. in a redraft league, I would I would go out and and snag him because the the memories of the seven earned runs at Baltimore at the end of May, the Boston start, they're still in the minds of fantasy owners, and Tanaka could end up you know climbing back. I love guys like this, like Dallas Keuchel. Coming into the season, I was really high on it. It's like this was a former Cy Young Award winner who who was dealing with some injury issues, got through it, and again, I mean, he's injured again with his neck. But you know, Tanaka has Cy Young ability if he's just willing to bring it in that way. Dynasty is a little trickier. Dynasty is a little trickier, but with uh, in a redraft league at this point, it's a it's a good buy. You might be able to get him for seventy cents on the dollar, and I I just think he's back. I do, especially if you're in that range where. You have a team that you kind of like, but you're fifth or sixth, and and you're right. and you're really trying to scale those pitching ranks. You've been beaten up by other guys performing some, similar to Tanaka, and you say, you know what? I just got to take some shots. I can't just go get Denelson Lamette or Sean Newcomb. They're not going to do it. I need to hit a home run, so to speak, and, and and Tanaka can be that guy. And it's still a risk. I mean, it's still exactly. an absolute risk, but it's a it's it's a different risk now than it was when we spoke two weeks ago when it was like, what's wrong with the guy? Like, mm-hmm. I think I know what's wrong with the guy now, and I think he knows what's wrong with him, and he's just deciding his pride and his honor. This is where come, these things come into play. And he's like, I'm not the guy who gives up five runs at Oakland. No, no, that's not me. I'm freaking Masahiro Tanaka. I should be dominating. And uh, he got to see him, you know, he got to dominate. And I think he's got that feeling back. I'm really excited about him as well. I'm a little less excited about the next guy we're going to talk about because you gave me an ominous note. You wouldn't even tell me. You said, I got something on Gary Sanchez. Let's save it for the pod. I'm concerned. What's up with Gary Sanchez? Mm, I'll tell you, man. There was a moment this week. um, I think it was... Thursday, Wednesday night. First of all, Sanchez is a poor catcher. He's not. He's not even average. He is poor. He mm-hmm. lets balls get by him that are that are almost strikes. So I mean, I I don't actually have the stats on his past balls, but in watching the games, it is clear he is. Well, a, he is. I think he gets overrated for his arm too. Like his arm's very good, and yeah. so that makes people think that he's a great catcher, right? They see this the sexy arm, and they're like, he's a dope catcher. No, he has a good arm. That's it. And and he's he's not a great he's not I was a catcher so he he's not great at framing ball he's not a great framer he's mm-hmm. fine he's not great he's ter- a terrible receiver of balls and here's the thing that I'm noticing about him that I, you know I, I have friends I've been a Yankee fan my entire life my father grew up in Washington Heights New York Yankees right even through the bad years I mean Dallas Green Steve Kemp I'm a Yankee <laughs> fan um, that's a long time ago but it's all true um, Posada is a beloved Yankee. Posada was a terrible catcher. He was a great hitter, and for a catcher, he was a great hitter. But in terms of receiving the ball, in terms of throwing the ball, and most importantly, in terms of dealing with pitchers, he was terrible. A catcher is there, in my opinion, a catcher is there to help service and bring the best out in the pitcher. First when Posada and was 
first and foremost, when Posada was the catcher, and that's why I'm in love with Yadier Molina, and I, I get him on my fantasy teams even though he's, he's having a good year, but, but he's the best catcher in baseball, and it's part of the reason why the Cardinals always thrive. When Posada was the catcher for the Yankees, you'll notice that it always took pitchers, when Clemens came over, when anyone came over for the first season, they struggled because they were dealing with a catcher whose ego was riding roughshod. Where the catcher was saying, I'm the boss here, you're the pitcher. It's not the way it's supposed to work. And what I saw with Sanchez the other day, in the Tanaka start, was something very similar. I also saw him, there was a pitch on the uh, lower outside part of the plate. He let the ball get by him, and Girardi, there was a shot of Girardi, and Girardi just like really was incredibly frustrated. Went over to him in between innings, and Sanchez basically tossed him away. I was like, don't talk to me. And I went, you know what? The 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 emotional the 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 character issues that remember we were talking about character issues with Gary Sanchez two three years ago. Sure. Now he has established himself as a star in in professional baseball, and when I saw that, and then I saw Austin Romine come over to him and start talking to him, Tony Pena, and he's just like, "Leave me alone, leave me alone, leave me alone." He then goes out at Tanaka and starts giving him a starts jawing at Tanaka. At which point Tanaka starts to lose. This was in the sixth inning. Tanaka starts to lose his control a little bit and starts giving up hits because he was dominant through the first five. It was just in that last inning. And I'm watching him and I'm saying, instead of being a a, a, a cornerstone piece on a dynasty team, because that's how I'm always looking at things, I went, you are never going to be Buster Posey. You do not have the character for 162 games. You're going to take nights off. And when the catcher takes nights off behind the plate, that causes your team some great danger. So it, it just shifted my... I had a trade offer out for him that night. I was I was like, you know what? I just want to watch him. I want to watch him hit. And I pulled the trade offer immediately as soon as I saw that. And I said, you know, it's not a good investment. It's not quite Yasiel Puig, but it's a similar issue. And these things matter over the course of 160 That games. matters a lot more at catcher than it does in the outfield, right? Puig can get away with it a bit, although some of his issues of kind of not really paying attention in the outfield are going to get Jock Peterson killed if they're not careful. But I, I think it's a lot worse when you're a catcher because you have so much impact with, with all the with all the pitchers. And to your point, by the way, he has six passed balls, which um, is, is tied for second most. Uh, a handful of guys have seven. But the fact that he has six in, in as few of innings as he does. For example, Tyler Flowers has seven in 407 innings. Grandal has seven in 543 and two-thirds. Sanchez has six in 356 and two-thirds. And also so, Flowers um, is dealing with Ari Dickey. So. Exactly, exactly. By the way, Josh Fegley and, and Kurt Suzuki, what the hell is their problem? I, Suzuki also has to deal with with uh, Dickey, so he might have several. But he has seven in 288 innings, and Fegley has seven in 276. Hello? I don't know what Fegley's deal is. That dude should not be catching, apparently, though. Anyway. Not what we're here to talk about, but the Sanchez thing is very interesting, and I agree with you. You know, you're talking about when he was coming up through the minors, it was like, what's up with this guy? Like, why is he kind of stalling out? There were some rumors that he kind of got bored with the minors, thinking that he was ready before the before the club did, and they said, no, dude, you got to work on your defense a lot, and he did work on the arm. To his credit, the arm is fantastic, but that's not all there is to being a catcher. In fact, I'll take a guy with a great frame, uh, framing ability and ability to kind of handle the pitchers more so than a quality arm any day of the week um so yeah that, that's kind of where i'm at with, with sanchez as well that's a very interesting fact 
Let's talk about, uh, speaking of young guy looking to mature, the Yankees are calling up Clint Frazier, which kind of surprised me a little bit. I was actually putting him on my radar to maybe scoop uh, very cheaply and stash him, hoping that he would get called up maybe around the All-Star break. But the injuries they've been hitting, the devastating injury to Dustin Fowler in his Major League debut before he even takes an at-bat, has facilitated this call-up uh, f- for, for Clint Frazier. What are your thoughts on uh, on the 22-year-old outfielder for the Yankees here, Clint Frazier, coming up? You know, I remember when Frazier was drafted with the number five pick um, by Cleveland, and I remember he and Austin Meadows were the two Georgia high school kids, right? And Brett Sayer, uh, over at Baseball Prospectus, was a, it still is just the, the biggest uh, Clint Frazier uh, fan. You know, he he's <laughs> he's a cocky kid. Like he believes Barry. that he's going to be. Uh, I think he asked if he could wear Mickey Mantle's number. Um, you know, he he's he's a tester, man. I mean, he. He's coming to uh, the big show now. We've all been waiting for him. He was a worthy uh, pickup in the trade for Miller uh, last year from from Cleveland. In the back of my mind, I've always thought that because of the depth of the Yankee farm system, I always thought that Frazier was going to be a a great piece to move for Quintana, you know, as a centerpiece. Yep, that makes sense. Um, But, you know, Fowler's injury, that was was tough. I was watching live when it happened. it was really tough. It was, it was unexpected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was really, really, it is. It's really a tough break, literally. Um, when it, when he took a step away from the thing and you saw that he couldn't put any weight on his oh, leg, it was... It you was, knew it was trouble. He yeah, collapsed. you knew it was big trouble. And just the look on the kid's face. And Girardi took it so hard. And it was it was really tough. But it does give Frazier a chance. Um, you know, Tyler Wade is really struggling um, at the major league level. Though I will say, he is... Just watching him play is great. I mean, I like this kid. Um, I, but I do think he's overmatched right now. And I think that there is a spot... Uh, you know, funnily enough, what, what Girardi's been doing the last few nights is DHing Judge. Um, and get him I off guess, his feet a little bit. Yeah, get him off his feet. But the problem is, Judge isn't comfortable in that position as the DH. I think it's it's still, even as we learn that it's like a 10% penalty and that it's completely different, it's still underrated how difficult it is. A lot of folks think, oh, just, just go hit four times. Yeah, but you're not doing anything in between. Yeah. If you had a bad at-bat in one of the early ones, maybe you're carrying it with you. It can be a difficult thing to do. And so, um, you know, Judge Judge's season's over. Nori Aoki got him out yesterday. So obviously <laughs> he's done. Sell him in every form. <laughs> I'll buy him. I'll uh, buy by him. the way, did you did you and I know it didn't go well for for the Yanks and Judge, but how about that uh that Judge versus Robertson at bat the other night at the end of the game with, uh, with, yeah. with the game on the line? Yeah. That no. was that was a hell of an at bat by him and and great pitching by Robertson. I really enjoyed that, uh, even though it didn't go Judge's way. Uh, so yeah, get him off his feet is a good idea. Aaron Hicks is down, Holiday is down, Starling Castro's down. They're just getting injuries. Everyone. That's what's going to facilitate Frazier coming up. Let me give some numbers on him because I will say, in, Eno and I interviewed him. It was Eno doing the interview. I was kind of standing in at the Arizona Fall League, and you mentioned his cockiness and just kind of being self-assured. He's like, I'm going to let it eat. Strikeouts are going to be a part of my game. I'm up there looking to to do damage. But he does take his walks, and his strikeout rate's actually down to 21% this mm-hmm. year. He'd been up in the upper 20s, never uh, – well, actually, over 30 in, in rookie ball, 31%. But then uh, 29%, 21, 22, 29, and then 21 this year, only hitting 257, mm-hmm. uh, I think, thanks to a 291 Babbitt. But that seems a little low. I feel like he's, he's somebody that can have a little bit of a higher Babbitt. He's got some speed. He's got the power. 
Uh, what would you, your expectations be out of Clint Frazier in the immediate future, and what leagues would you pick him up in? He's, you know, uh, the thing about Frazier is he's like Aaron Judge. Every time he got to a new level, he really struggled, and then repeating the level brought him to a higher, you know, brought to uh, more success. Mm-hmm. So he really struggled once he came over from Cleveland in AA. He struggled. He went to AAA. Struggled. Came back this year, and he is, as you said, he's he's certainly doing he's doing better. I don't necessarily think that he's going to hit the ground running and have an everyday spot um i think he might for you know for a week or so he'll get a chance you know he could i mean he he's he's a worthy pickup in a 15 team league he's the kind of guy that if you can st- if you have room on your bench and you want to stash him just see how he goes or in a daily league throw him in there um you know because he could you know he could be a real shot in the arm. One of the great things about being a Yankee fan right now is there's all this talk about the depth of the Yankee system. We're seeing everybody. <laughs> like, Absolutely. Everybody's up. <laughs> Everyone's getting their chance. I mean, what Andrew Hard did this week was super exciting. Um, but, you know, you're talking about Chris Carter. you got Austin Romine starting at first base. Just one more thing on the Gary Sanchez thing. I would not be surprised to see Austin Romine get more time behind the plate. And really Sanchez yes. first base? Okay. Put Sanchez at first base, I, I, and it, it actually is looking more long-term. That's what I said in my mind. That night I said, this guy is going to end up at first base. He is not going to be a full-time catcher. And then his long-term. issues will be less concerning at that point, right? Certainly, yeah. First talking base. about a first baseman who's not going to have as much impact. And his bat at first, his bat behind the plate is you know all world. His bat at yep. first base is, is super solid and still, still a worthy buy, but... He's just not the cornerstone. I think Clint, so. Clint Frazier in a fifteen-team league, you want to pick him up. Even in a twelve-team league, you could pick him up just I think to you see. Take a shot. Yep. Yeah, if you can get lightning in a bottle, if somebody's paying twenty-seven out of a hundred dollars for him, let them. Um, yes. Because yes. it's just as likely, like um, with Andujar, that Frazier's going to be back in the minor leagues in a week. I completely agree there. So be careful with Frazier. Ten teamers. I don't know. Outfield's so deep. I don't. No. I, I know it's a big name. A couple bucks, maybe, but I think 12 and 15 team is really where you want to look to maybe get Clint Frazier up. So, okay, let's talk some pitchers. We got a lot of two-star guys, a lot of a lot of games coming up this week. I think almost every team is playing all week, uh, so that's gonna that's gonna facilitate a lot of two-starters. We're gonna go in the shallow pool first, and we're gonna talk pretty much about all these guys. Then in the medium and deep pools, we'll start to pick some of our favorites. Um, let's start with the shallow. Rick Porcello at Texas, at Tampa Bay, Lance Lynn, home to Miami and the Mets, uh, Aaron Nola, home to the Pirates and Padres, John Lackey, home to the Rays and uh, Pirates, and Zach Godley at the Dodgers and home to Cincinnati. Let's start with Porcello. He's obviously been a disaster this year, uh, particularly against expectations, even those that, you know, weren't expecting Cy Young repeat or anything like that. You know, I wasn't that high on him, but I still expected, you know, I don't know, 370 ERA, innings eater type, and he's got a 505 mark, allowing the most hits in all of baseball with 138 and um, 59 earned runs is an AL high. It's been tough, even even with the strikeouts going up. Home runs have been a problem for Rick Porcello. Are you starting him here with the two start uh, at Texas at Tampa Bay? And what's your what's your longer term outlook on Porcello, Ian? I, I you know I've never been a, a huge fan of Porcello in any way. You have to tip your hat to what he did last year. Dombrowski loves the guy, um, gave him the big contract, traded then traded him, and then you know happy to have him. Uh, I, 
I just, you know, I, I, I've never seen, you know, he had a great year last year, but his struggles, you know, he's giving up, he's, he doesn't walk that many people, but he's given up so many hits. I mean, he's just an incredibly hittable, hittable pitcher. I mean, maybe he walks some more guys instead of all the hits, right? Like yeah, maybe you're in the zone too much. Yeah. I mean, he's four and 10. He's got a 506 ERA with a 1.51 whip. I, on this list of the shallow, he would be he would be at uh, he'd be either at the bottom or second to the bottom. He was I not agree. somebody that I would that I would be interested in starting. And a fifteen team league, if you're stuck and you're screwed, and Rick Porcello, go for it. But you know he could get he, go go to Texas and give up seven runs in two two and two thirds. And it's Tampa not, Bay doesn't mess around with righties. You know they got Dickerson and and, Fra- uh, and uh, Lomo Morrison. going off this yeah. year. Uh, those are two two of their big guys, and they actually they're competitive against righties. So I don't even know that you're going to feel that great about that start. So if he does get blasted in Texas for Porcello, then you're in big trouble. So I I agree with you. I think I would actually have him second to last. I'm not I'm not super high on Lackey. We're going to jump around here. Let's go to Lackey real quick. Ugh. How is he still on eighty percent of CBS teams right now? People aren't paying attention. Clearly, right? No, like, that's insane. He's been, and he, I mean, yeah, this last one at Washington, but it, it, this has been coming for you know. If you look at what he was doing in May, he's going, and he's also going five innings every time. He's not striking anybody out. I just, I've never liked John Lackey. Like, <laughs> I, I, there's value to him, but he's just that. He's just that kind of. I just hate his face. Like, I hate he watching him pitch. He, he does. I mean, I don't. I'm not going to punch him, but I no, don't. I'm not either. But it's punchable. He's just. He's just bitching all the time. He's waving his glove at his fielders, and he's old. You know, I mean, you got to tip your hat to a guy who came out with, you know, the California Angels and was amazing at age 20, 21, got, came back from a Tommy John surgery, was incredibly serviceable last year, more than serviceable uh, for the Cubs, but I, I never owned Lackey. These are two guys I never owned, and they're both at the bottom of this list. For yeah, me. Lackey was fantastic the last couple of years at, at ages 36 and 37, but at 38 here, it just looks like he doesn't have it. He's allowing way too many home runs. He's allowed home runs in each of his last nine outings, uh, multiple home runs in a lot of those. So right now, it's it, it's an issue for Lackey. you got to be careful with him. So let's focus on the guys that we actually do like here then and start trying to rank uh, Lynn, Nola, and Godley. First off, what is your rank, and then we'll talk about them in your order. Um, you know, Lynn, Lynn has been an interesting, uh, own this year. I, I do own him and he was a good buy at the beginning of the season coming mm-hmm. off of Tommy John, um, and has certainly struggled the last couple of starts, but I still, I still, I still like him. I thought he was, you know, he did great at Arizona this week. He was a, he was a nervous start, but the two starts before that were sort of the end of the road in some ways at Baltimore and, and home to to Pittsburgh giving up seven earned runs. I mean, that's just really hard. But if you look before that, he was more than solid. He was really strong, including his start at LA in May, which was dominant eight innings with, with 10 strikeouts. So, Great you know, he's got the stuff. He definitely has the stuff. He's, he's feeling better. It, it, he looks like he might be okay. He would probably be uh, third on my list. Um, Nola has been sort of surprisingly good. I, I read today that there's talk that they could move him. I'm like, why? Why do you move really? that guy? Yeah, I was like, that'd be insane. I think it's like if you they're looking, you know, you want to move Althea, you want to move Herrera. That makes some sense. But Hellickson, trade Hellickson. Trade, Don't yeah, trade. Get Hellickson the hell out of there once and for all. Nola, 24 years old. Like when he's on, he's so good. I think I'm a huge Zach Godley fan. Yeah. Um, so I, I might put him at top of the list, but Nola's right there. The only issue with Nola, and and it's it's not a small one, is just that 
the consistency start to like we don't know and mm-hmm. there's not necessarily rhyme or reason to it like when he gets beat up it's not necessarily because he's against a really good team or because he's on the road or or you know he doesn't have a home road necessarily big split so i think nola is somebody that you got to kind of just put in and and not yeah. try to time him yeah. because it's it, there's not going to be a good way to time it the skills the the era is higher at home 497 to 360 but the skills are better at home so i'm not benching nola at home so i i do like him i think the most here just because he is a little bit more proven than zach godley but i love zach godley i have a this zach dude, godley story i have a got? really good zach godley story so this was two years ago, and they call up this this chubby, uh, and I'm a little chubby right now myself. They call up this chubby pitcher, uh, you know, young kid who's been banging around in the minors. His parents are in the stands in Arizona. They called him up out of nowhere. His dad's like this really, you know, like real character-looking guy. The mom's real character-looking guy. And he's pitching, and he's like just not blowing people away, but getting through every inning. And at the end of every inning, he's like banging into his glove like a little leaguer and running off the field. And, and just with all of this energy. And I, I called Tim McLeod because we were sharing a team in TDGX. I said, I'm picking up Zach Godley. And he's like, why? And I said, he, I said, I just love this kid. He is, he is giving it his all out there and he's surprising people. And now he comes back and, you know, and then he went and then he, he came back again last year, showed for a second, then really struggled. And it was like the joke about Zach Godley. But now, you know, his, his velocity is up. He's, um, he, you know, he's pitching in a tough ballpark. Um, but I really do. I, I just love Zach Godley. I, that I, ground ball rate, too. You, you talk about the velocity adding uh, going up and a 59% ground ball rate. That's a combo I love. Not only are you throwing harder with the sinker, but you're getting major ground balls with it. Uh, he's getting swings and misses. He's always gotten swings and misses, and now he's finally putting it together for strikeouts. Zach Godley is. 27, late bloomer, non-prospect, really, kind of you know back end of, of Arizona lists when he was coming up. But I think the components are here for him to be a serviceable guy, uh, going for, and better than serviceable, really, because yes. the two sixty seven ERA, that's probably not going to hold. But you can tack a run onto that, and I'll take three sixty seven in today's environment with a, with nearly a strikeout per inning, and he's at eight point three. I just love the ground ball and strikeout combination, so he can get the misses when he needs it, or give me that 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 lazy uh, that lazy ground ball for a double play. I'm in on Zach Godley the rest of the way for sure. And if you look, I mean, he's not giving up, even in his and even in his games where he's not great. He's giving up three runs. He's not giving mm-hmm. up eight runs. You know, it's and and his matchups this week at LA. Sure, that that might be a little tough. It's not. It's it, tough. it would. It, but but his second matchup is with Cincinnati against Homer Bailey. So chances are he's going to get a win, and I'm comfortable <laughs> with that. Yep. I, I, so I'm definitely starting him. I'm definitely starting Nola. I will put Nola just ahead because of Pittsburgh and San Diego is easier than at the Dodgers and Cincy. But Godley's right there, and I think both those guys you got to have in all formats uh, for the long haul right now. Yeah, let's move I agree. on to the medium. Uh, these, these guys are going to be available in some of your your deeper leagues, some of your shallow. It's going to kind of just depend. Uh, Adam Wainwright, home to Miami and the Mets. Trevor Bauer, home to the Padres and Tigers. Carlos Rodon to the at, at the uh, Athletics at Oakland and at Colorado. Sean Newcomb home to the Astros at Washington. We don't even need to talk about him because that is that. There's no way I'm starting him against those two teams. It's not even about Newcomb. It's about mm. Astros Nats. And then Jeff Hoffman home twice. Cincy and the White Sox. See, I would take Newcomb over Hoffman. I would too. I, I, I agree with that. But those are my two bottom ones just because of the matchups mm-hmm. and, and the environments that they're in. So I, I like both pitchers. I really do. But. I can't mess with them with those like two Colorado starts and then the two 
probably the two most difficult offenses you can find. Like he gets uh, Newcomb on Atlanta gets a uh, interleague start, and of course it has to be against Houston. So I think I'm putting those two off to the side for this week. So let's focus in on Wainwright, Bauer, and Rodon. Who are your favorites there? Uh, well, I like Bauer. Um, I, I really do. I like I like how Bauer is. Uh, you know, Bauer is a. There was a time where Bauer was in the conversation as one of the top two or three prospects in baseball. Absolutely. Um, and you know, he's a little crazy, and he's a little nutty, um, but he is coming into his own. Also, to a certain extent, he had some struggles early on, but there's that game against Oakland where he struck out 14 in seven innings. Um, you know, he's at Minnesota, he's doing well, he, he survived, he did a good job against Texas. So uh, look uh, uh, on that list. I also, I also kind of like Wainwright. I think about Wainwright kind of the way you think we're talking about Aaron Nola. It's like, yeah, Wainwright's going to struggle. Um, but Wainwright also back to the Tanaka thing, if he can get on, this was a former Cy Young award winner. Um, or top three Cy Young Award winner. Like he, I don't remember if he actually won the award. Yeah, I but, can't remember I mean, if he did either. But he's, I mean, he's a stud. Wayne Wainwright, when he's on, is still a stud. In, uh, uh, Jason's been backing him and saying, "Hey, you know, you got to stick with this guy." The ups and downs. The the problem is the the downs have been so rough. Yeah. He has two starts right now that account for eighteen of his forty nine earned runs. Wainwright does at Cincy and at Baltimore. They mm-hmm. just thrashed him in three and two-thirds and one and two-thirds respectively but if you take everything else beyond that it's been pretty good so maybe a home only guy which sets up for this week two home starts for Wayne Wright so is he your top guy against the Marlins and and Mets are you going with Bauer ahead of him I'm gonna go with uh I'm gonna go with Bauer I'm gonna go eh, but it's close I mean Bauer and Wayne Wright I would start both of them in 15 team leagues easily and 12 and even in a 12 team league if if the pitching set up right i would be happy to have I agree. Uh, bauer and you know bauer's like fulton Awitz. i mean we were talking about fulton Awitz a couple of weeks ago and then he comes out and he gives up like seven runs to to the nationals but then settled back in and we saw what he did last night he is talented talent matters as well um, I, I still I still like him. I can't, yeah. I was really pulling for him. I can't quit that guy. Even even when I do get frustrated and say I'm going to quit him, I just, I still keep meandering back to Fulton Uh He's got the stuff. He's I think he's still learning how to use it. Bauer is a good one too because like you said, I think he is starting to come into his own a little bit. I've never been the biggest fan, but I'm looking at what he's been doing lately, yeah. and, and he actually is going on a, on a nice run. He had a seven ERA. Bauer did through his first uh, seven starts. And that's that's a lot to work off. But since then, he's got a 3.95 ERA in 54 and two thirds innings. That's over 10 starts. And I think we, as a fantasy baseball community, are still not putting into context the value of a 3.95 ERA right now. Like we're just There's in a different there. era. It's it's good again. Anything under four has value. I um, want to say one more thing about Fulte. This is going to be the craziest comp of all time, and I'm going to be laughed off. What he and it just hit me, the guy he reminds me of, and I'm not going to say he's going to be at this level one day, but there was a time when Max Scherzer was with the Arizona Diamondbacks before he I got traded you. to the Detroit Tigers. He was the big, hard-throwing guy who everyone knew was going to be something one day, but hadn't really put it together. And, and everyone not, thought it would be in the bullpen too. Right, like, he's just going to be a bullpen guy. And now, to me, Scherzer, we, he's top three pitcher in baseball, for sure. I mean, with Sale and with, with Kershaw. Kershaw, Sale, Scherzer. But, you know, I, I'm not saying he's going to be that one day. 
necessarily, certainly. I'm not saying that Fulton Hayward is going to be a top five starter in baseball, but there's something similar. Like, when is this guy going to finally be? When are we going to get this guy? And, Here's the uh, factors working for him. He's a 25-year-old. He's still very young, right? He's been around mm-hmm. for four years in the majors now, so it feels like you know, there's a little bit of fatigue on him because he was also a, a top prospect coming up with, with Houston. Throws 95 has secondary pitches that he that he trusts. He has slider curve and changeup that he can go to. Maybe he needs to cut one of the breaking balls and, and, and become, you know, streamline more of a three pitch guy, figure out a changeup. There's the, your point, and I and I take it, that there's still a lot of development potential here. Yeah. Like we cannot say that Fulty is who he is. And yes, it seems lofty to say that and like you said, some people might laugh, but I, I'm not gonna laugh it off because you, again, you're not saying He's the next Max Scherzer. But this is what it comes from, is a guy that has the talent and is really fit, trying to figure out how to put it together. And I remember when the Tigers got Max Scherzer, and you know he would, he would show these flashes, show these flashes. Then he had that one season, he comes up, does horribly to start. They send him down. I think it was like a pretty minimal stay. It was like a two, three-week send down for Max Scherzer. And he comes back up from that demotion, and he hasn't been, he's been in the ace ever since. Like, it, it completely turned around who Max Scherzer was. And I think something that people forget, I even forget it every once in a while. He's 32, right? He's not a young buck, but he was a little bit of a late bloomer. He didn't really oh, yeah. have that first super dominant season until he was 27 years old in and, 2012. And everyone, and he was the big, he was a huge disappointment. He was a guy who people had, you know, guys throwing in the mid to high 90s and he looks like a bulldog and is this guy ever going to show? Is he ever going to be what he is? And well, yeah. And, I don't think we give pitchers a long enough leash these days because we see aging curves on guys like, you know, Syndergaard comes up, uh, Fern rest in right. peace. You know, he was up immediately just dominating yep. these young guys. They do it and, and they kind of ruin it for everybody else. So you, you got you to gotta stay patient with these guys. That doesn't mean you can hold them forever, especially in your you know three-keeper league or things like no. that. It's just keeping them on your radar and not fully discounting. And Trevor Bauer fits into that to that mode as well i mean for years he was like he was him he was like the number two he was like up there with dylan you know bundy is never you know and and cole his teammate at ucla it was like yeah cole was the number one pick but is is bauer you know every bit is good he's just 26 as well and he came up and he's been he's been scrapping and struggling and learning learning the game the game takes time to master everything takes time to master in life whether it's whether it's business it's acting it's Baseball, you get better at your job, mm-hmm. and and because there are people who are better than them. I mean, we're watching Tyler Wade. Like one day, Tyler Wade is going to be. He looked uh, like uh, Grady Sizemore to me. He's got Sizemore's sort of body type, and I look at him. I'm like, you're going to be pretty awesome one day, but you're a baby. You're yeah, you're a, a you're, baby as, right now. you're as baby a bummer as we can have. Um, so. That's what makes the guys who come up immediately and dominate so impressive. And maybe we don't give those guys enough credit when they do come up and dominate because of how difficult it is. But it also can set them up to be jerks. And, the, you know, it's like a, a, using an actor analogy. The, the actors who come up and become stars at 21, 22 years old and think that the crap don't stink, those yep. are the guys who are out of the business by the time they're 30, right? So you like look John at somebody. Ham who grinded out. That's right. End up becoming beasts. Yasiel Puig is an example of that. And what I saw this week, once again, just got to say it, is I saw Gary Sanchez pulling pulling the diva act. Going, and one more thing about Sanchez. He's got to stop going out and telling the pitchers what's what after every other pitch. <laughs> you got to stop that. Uh, You're not that league, smart, kid. League-wide, for sure. But I agree with you. Uh, 
when Yachty does it, it's because he's Yachty. And yeah, he yep. does it too much too, but but he's actually imparting wisdom. You're right. What the hell is Sanchez telling like a veteran pitcher that they don't know? They're and like, this is a subtle little thing. Sanchez walks past this is really subtle. But Sanchez walks past the pitcher, making putting him on the higher plane, like listen, you're listening to me, I'm the one who knows more. It's like sit he was doing that to Tanaka and Tanaka was like, just go away. Just skip back down there, please. Your stupid tips. Just go Sanchez, away, Sanchez. Man, this is this. I'm I'm gonna be following this now. Now that and you put me off to Sanchez's well, I hope I hope I'm wrong. I hope that he wise wizens up quickly and sort of catches his ego, puts his ego a little bit in check, and is the beast that we are as Yankee fans hoping that. I he hope would so be. too. I'm not even a Yankees fan. I just hope so because having a dominant catcher like that is fun. But uh, I can see what you're saying about how maybe he meanders more to a first baseman, you know, two years down the line. Like, you're still going to have him as catcher next year and probably the year after. But long term, we got to start thinking long term on some of these things. And Sanchez just might not be long for the uh, for behind the dish. Rodon is the one guy we didn't talk about. He did make his season debut against your beloved Yankees. Uh, did you get a chance to see that? He went five innings, gave up two hits, but six walks, three unearned runs, two strikeouts. I didn't see any of it, so I'm flying blind on Rodon, but I'm not starting him here because he has to take a trip to Colorado, um, and I just I don't want to mess with that right now. Even yeah, though no, I, I wouldn't. Long term, I was surprised at how well he did. He did keep, you know, he was struggling with his control. Um, I wouldn't start him this week either at Colorado, but he did look better than I expected, um, and uh, got out of a couple of sticky situations, which you're going to do if you're going to walk that many guys. But he did get out of them, and I was like, hey, look at that. So hang on. Hang on to him, but just don't start him this week. Right? Kind of, yeah. Yeah, definitely hang okay. on to him. Okay. Let's go into the deep. And uh, here we're, we're not going to be able to talk about everybody because there's a huge group. So uh, I'm going to have you pick your favorites. Joe Ross, home to the Mets and Braves. Hyunjin Ryu, home to the Diamondbacks and Royals. Jose Urania at the Cardinals, at the Giants. Ian Kennedy at the Mariners, at the Dodgers. Daniel Norris, home to the Giants, at the Indians. Blake Snell at the Cubs, home to the Red Sox, LOL at using that one. Alex Meyer at Minnesota and Texas. Uh, Luis Perdomo at Cleveland and at Philly. Luis Castillo at the Rockies at Arizona. That's a tough setup there because I like that kid, but I can't use him with those. Uh, Jesse Hahn, home to the White Sox at Seattle. And Mark Leiter Jr., home (laughs) to Pittsburgh and San Diego. So a lot of names there. Yeah. Give me some of your faves. Okay, I want to just say something about Luis Castillo. Um, you cannot start Luis Castillo this week at you Colorado and Arizona. You, you just cannot. You cannot. That being said, I really like Luis Castillo. I, I, I'm I'm picking him up and benching him in some ways. Yep. So if you're in a league where you have to start guys immediately, unfortunately you're going to have to pass it because it could just be too damaging. But I didn't know much about this kid until I started looking at his, his two starts. This dude throws 100 with ease and spots it. Yeah. Like I know he's got eight walks so far, but like he can put 99 on the corner – and what the hell is anybody going to do with that? This was the guy they got for Dan Straley. One of the, I think they got three pieces. Uh, so this is looking like it could be a really good trade for the Reds, but I just don't think you can start him here. So we're, we're passing on Castillo short term, but we like him long term. Who's your favorite of this bunch for this week? Um, I like Joe Ross very much. He's been he certainly settled himself down quite nicely, um, and I like the matchups with the Mets and the Braves. I like Ryu. I've always liked Ryu. Um, And I like his, you know, he's up against Godley, so who knows? But I I like those matchups. And I also, I like Ian Kennedy back. I, I, you know, Kennedy is is sort of finding his way again and getting past his early season struggles. And uh, so those would be my three choices. Kennedy's one of those guys that 
you know, unless he's hurt and has to get taken out of the rotation, teams just stick with him and let him kind of work through his thing. And, and, and you're right. He, you know, water finds its level, as they say, with, with, with baseball players. And, and he's, he's uh, no stranger to that. 408 ERA in 28 and two-thirds innings this month. Really finally starting to get himself back on track. He had a good first month, a disastrous May that uh, then included a DL stint. So maybe injury was, was part of the reason that it was so treacherous. So he ends up with a 5-12 ERA through his first nine starts, and now he's kind of meandering back down. Um, I, I think he's one of those guys that kind of sits in the 370 to 420 range, which has value. I wish and also like his whip. Guys again. I like his whip. He, he keeps his whip under control, 1.18 whip, even with his early season struggles. Yeah, so. even with some walks, he's, he's keeping the whip down because he's not allowing a lot of hits. So if the walks come back down to where Kennedy's level usually is, then that whip's going to be even better. So I agree with you on, on that. I love Joe Ross as well and Ryu. Uh, so we're both fans on, on, on those guys. Alex Meyer's someone I'm keeping an eye on. Like, I wasn't in after you know the first good start and then i think the second good start was against the tigers and i watched and i was like okay i i I see this stuff but i still wasn't buying it because he walks the world and he is still walking the world but i just don't think in this pitching environment we can be so picky that because he has a walk issue i'm gonna ignore him i I can't do it i have to take a look at alex meyer at minnesota at texas it's tough but you know he has the one bad start at boston and that was a start you could have avoided because people would have, you know, you, you would have thought, don't start Alex Meyer at Boston. Otherwise, he had an amazing month. So I think I'm going to look at Alex Meyer as well. Uh, 225 ERA, 34 strikeouts in 32 innings. He's another guy. He's another Fulton Awitz type late starter. Late. Yep. He's, let's call him Fulty Light. I mean, Mayer has been, he's huge. He throws incredibly hard. And he needed a change of of uh, address, which he got moving from Minnesota to to Anaheim, um, Los Angeles, whatever they call him now. And you know, he, he I've been picking him up and dropping him off of my minor league roster in dynasty leagues for four years yeah, now, forever, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's like, no, nah, I got it. That's about right. No, and then he had so many injury problems, and it's like, you know, he's just never. But but he always has that. It's underneath it. He's you know. We're, Surprisingly, Tyler Glasnow is going to be in the same category one day, yes. not too far away. And so these are guys who, you know, I don't mind the Minnesota matchup. He's going back to his old team, and he's going to have a little chip on his shoulder. We'll see how he does. If if I'm picking my top three, he's not in my top three. Um, and I'm not even sure he would be number four. But he's definitely somebody in dynasty leagues that is a good long-term buy. I'm worried about the Texas start. I'm actually a little worried about the Minnesota start. But he's he is got great talent. Blake Snell should not be started. No, no, I can't. I can't start Blake Snell at this point. First off, at Chicago, at the Cubs, home to Boston, that was eliminating immediately. Mm-hmm. But even if it was juicier matchups. I'm at the point with Snell now where I got to see something and I might yep. miss some good starts. I don't care because right now it's just landmine after landmine. Like a- a- until I see something that, that is quality, I-, I can't do it with Blake Snell. I know he went down to the minors and pitched well. He didn't uh, he pitch that well. Did. He oh, didn't. I, I, I heard he did. See, he I didn't was... look it up. I, I, was, I listened and I, and I, I'm not going to sell out who I listened to on that, but I'd heard that he did. And I, I took that at face value. Well, um, maybe maybe in his last start he pitched well, but I was following him very closely because I wanted to see if I wanted to get an early bid on him in the Gotham League, mm-hmm. um, and he just wasn't throwing strikes down down on the farm. I mean, he just oh. can't. He's just not throwing strikes. That would be and, the one thing I would want him to 
to do, uh, if someone was going to say that he was pitching well in the minors, I would hope the one thing he was doing was throwing strikes. Yeah, that was maybe again. I, I may have missed his last start before he got picked info. up. Um, maybe I got the bad info. No, but no, no, he, no. but he still look in his last start at Pittsburgh. It's just not. You don't five innings, four hits, six earned runs, five walks, six strike. No, that's <laughs> Nuke Lelouch from yeah. from Bull Durham. It's infuriating. So I, yeah. I I can't with Snell right now. I need to see more. Luis Perdomo's a guy I'm keeping an eye on. He's not in my top three necessarily, but he's somebody that uh, I'm intrigued by because he he he's a guy kind of like Godly. He's like Godly light right now. He's not putting it together. Godly's figuring it out, and Perdomo has the those tools, and he isn't quite putting it all together just yet. But he throws 95. Uh, which which you love, but also has a big ground ball rate, sixty five percent ground ball rate. So frankly, he should be better. But he's just trying to he's kind of figuring out. I think super deep leagues, NL only for sure, but deeper yeah. leagues, uh, I do think Perdomo is someone you're, you're taking a look at. Jesse Hahn, it's just too inconsistent for me. I, I'm kind of done off that on that train. What are your thoughts on Daniel Norris? We'll we'll, we'll move on to hitters after this. With uh, but Daniel Norris is somebody obviously as a Tigers fan. I'm invested in his success, but it's been limited, and I'm curious what kind of your your short-term, meaning the next month or two, outlook is for him. You know, Norris, and and you watch more of Norris than I've had a chance to watch. You know, he he has a, a good pedigree coming up. He does. He can strike out some people. He's got pretty good control, but I mean, the results are just not there. And he he looks. He's looking overmatched in the last couple of starts. Before that, he was you know he was doing a little bit better. I mean, he was he. I, I like seeing seven strikeouts in six innings, or six strikeouts in five innings, or eight strikeouts in six innings. These are these are great numbers. These are really good numbers. He's it's not walking too many people. Yeah, like, that's what it seems to me. What would you? You're watching him more than I am. What are you seeing? It's command. I mean, you, you, like you said, he actually has some pretty decent control. Uh, I know a 3.9 walk rate would make you think not. I think he nibbles a lot and, and pitches scared, to be honest. Like when he gets in mm-hmm. trouble, I think he starts to get in his head, Daniel Norris does, and pitch a little bit scared. So don't look at a walk rate alone and say, well, that guy has, has no control. I think he actually has some decent control, but he has terrible command uh, more often than not. I think that that's what's getting him in trouble. I do. I, it's almost become a theme for us, these late guys who could be late bloomers. I could see it. Uh, lefties that often take uh, a little while longer too. And he's only 24 years old with just 217 major league innings. He's a baby in baseball terms right now. Yeah. So I'm certainly not quitting him in dynasty leagues by any stretch of the imagination. But I do think in redrafts, in pretty much anything, I mean, I guess in a 15-teamer, there's yeah. a team in the league that has to have him on their bench. It might not be your team, but there's a team. Uh, but beyond that, 12, 10-teamer, He's, a, he's waiver fodder right now. He just does not have the consistency or the game plan to consistently go out there and get his his six quality innings in. And so he's going to have great starts against a team like Boston that you wouldn't normally expect. And then he's going to get ripped up by a team like KC, which you wouldn't expect on the other end. So I don't think you can really start Daniel Norris right now a stash only and I don't really like messing with Cleveland in Cleveland. So even though San Francisco's coming in and and they're they're yeah. they're terrible I don't want to go out to Cleveland with with very many pitchers, especially a low level one. And pitching and pitching scared is getting the opportunity to watch these games is like the greatest benefit that you can possibly have on the app bad app, right? Which 100%. was ten bucks the other night. Ten bucks, Somebody, and it's still only twenty, by the way. So you've got to uh, grab that, man. If yes. you're not 
if you invest, invest the 20 bucks because there's really nothing better. If, you, if you're a fantasy baseball player and you get a chance to watch these guys and not only watching them live, also later in the evening or early the next day, they have condensed games. You hit those condensed games, you're going to see what these players are like. And you watching the them. Innings that, uh, up there, you can watch their you know, two innings and, and actually get a feel for what you're looking at. Yeah, because pitching scared is death. Hitting scared. Tyler Wade is is scared up there. And it's a fine line because then you've got guys like Clint Frazier who's coming up saying, I'm going to be the greatest thing of all time. And, and, like, and he could get cut down to size pretty quickly. Yeah, and then his his confidence will go. But this is a game of confidence. You know, it was one of the things, going back to Zach Godley, that I saw. I was like, this kid doesn't care. He's just, he's just He doesn't care that he's facing Andrew McCutcheon right now. And this was two and a half years ago when McCutcheon was McCutcheon. Mm-hmm. It's like, he, he doesn't phase him a bit. It's like he's pitching back in double A. And those are the guys, Those are the, that's what Syndergaard had when he came up. That's what, rest in peace, Jose Fernandez had, is mm-hmm. this sort of sense of, I'm good enough to be here. I belong in this space. And, and, and the results might not go their way, but, but, but they know they belong. And they'll get it back. They'll, they'll, they'll study. They'll figure it out. They're not deterred and thinking, should, should I even be here? They right. fully trust themselves. Back to Jordan Montgomery, who this week, once again, was absolutely dominant on God, Monday night against Chicago White Sox. That kid is not afraid of anything. He is ready. He is. He gives up his home run, and then he goes, all right, you got me next. Mm-hmm. Next. It's a key thing. Next in life. You know, This is the moment I'm playing in right now. This is the count. Let's play this game where we are, which is one of the things that I know we both have Newcomb sort of lower on the list in the medium area, but something I'm really impressed with with Newcomb. I mean, he's coming up there, and he's, he's not batting an eye. I mean, he's, he's been really impressive. It, it, it's the matchups here. I, I, yeah, I'm I get glad it. you brought him back up because I don't want to make it sound like we don't like him. I like him actually long term. Houston at Washington is, is, is so tough. What I've been really impressed with is that those walk issues from the minors are not there. He's attacking hitters. Oh. 66 first pitch, uh, 66% first pitch strike rate. That curveball, I'm telling you, Eno and I talked about this too, and it was um, – two things that could have contributed to him having so many walks. One, a mandate of throwing X amount of change-ups every game to try to get that pitch better, and his change-up sucks. And so it could have just been, you know, all 15 of them could have, uh, you know, pushed it to the three-ball count or been walks. Secondly, the curveball not being called properly by terrible minor league umpires. And if you have a devastating curveball, you don't get the calls that you necessarily deserve in double A or even triple A, really. So I think those two factors might have inflated uh, Sean Newcomb's walk rate to a point where we thought, well, this guy has no control. He's coming up now. He has an 8% walk rate. That's average. I'll take that all day with everything else that Sean Newcomb's showing. So beyond this week, I do like Newcomb. But with those two starts, I think at least one of them is a, is a disaster and and. Probably yeah, I, you're probably right. I'm going to start him anyway in a 15-team. I'm starting him in a 15-team league. I'm going to – I think if it was at Houston, I would be a little bit more frightened. If they were and both may, on the road, you'd be worried, but since one of them's at home – Well, you, you know what? I, I mean, it's a daily – this is the, the Gotham League. It's a daily league, and I'm going to throw him up there against Houston and see what he does. I mean, his – his numbers right now, His I'm going to ride his success. And, yeah, he's going up against maybe the best lineup in baseball. But they've um, never seen him. No, and they're going to so, protect him. I mean, they're going to protect him if he starts going down the wrong lane. They're going to they're going to pull him. They're not going to let him go for night. You know, that's one of the things. You get the older pitchers, the Wainwright guys. They're like, well, they'll figure it out. Let's see call. if they can get him out of there. They'll 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 get Nuka. If he's struggling in the second inning, they're going to get somebody up and they're going to get him out. They're not going to let him get have the complete blow up. That's because, a good call because you might see 
if it goes sideways, it might be two innings, three runs on right. six hits, and you're like, that didn't. What, did he leave for injury? No, they pulled him before it could really get treacherous. The bullpen came in, got out of the inning, and yeah. it was. That's a good call. That I'm, I'm still too scared. I'm still too. I understand, scared. and and yeah. I, I I'm, I doing, like it, I'm doing it with, I'm doing it with I'm doing it with this sort of like yeah I'm gonna do it I'm just gonna <laughs> do it because I need the innings and I you know I'm gonna I'm you, it, chances are it's not gonna go great um, but it might and I, uh, I I really liked what I've seen and again I it's not it's not a you know it's not a veteran who's they're just gonna say mop up some innings for us they will not let him do that. They will not play yeah, through that. Even if it's if it's three bad innings, they'll just take them out. That that that's the point that that's really convincing me that maybe it is worth it. That you'll get protected by the Braves themselves. Yeah, but not um, a twelve team. I wouldn't start him in a twelve team. I would I would I would likely sit him in a twelve team. But in a fifteen team, I am I am throwing him out there. Okay, so. that's Sean Newcomb. I can guarantee you this. I'm going to be watching that start now. I can guarantee you this. I would be watching that start with my fingers crossed. Like, yeah. come on, kid. We'll be texting each other throughout that start. It'll be great. <laughs> um, one last guy I want to mention, Jose Urena, uh, is a guy I'm kind of intrigued by a little bit. I wrote him up in the Baseball HQ Forecaster. I think it was actually two years ago. I don't think it was this year. And so I, I deep dove on this guy that I never really had given much thought to. He's got some pretty intriguing stuff, and he's starting to make it work a bit. His last four starts are all quality starts because um, he did allow five runs in the last one, but only three were earned, so it was six and three. But beyond that, six six and zero, six and two, six and one. So he's showing some things. The only issue I have is that there's no real skill support behind it. Like he throws 95 and has a pretty good changeup, but doesn't get any strikeouts. Uh, So I think he's really just... Any way he can get outs, he's taking right now. 15% strikeout rate for Jose Urania makes it tough to really trust him. But he sits 96. Um, he, he's, he does induce some weak contact, mostly fly ball contact, which makes him a good home guy. If you are in these, these deeper leagues, you might take a shot in St. Louis and San Francisco. Those are two pretty good, home, uh, yeah. two pretty good parks similar to his home park. So for you deep leaguers, Jose Urania, I think, Maybe you take a shot here. Uh, nobody else can be chasing him. You're going to get him for two bucks, one buck off of your off of your wire. Uh, but I, I kind of like him, and I'm keeping. Him and he, and he'll certainly be safer than Sean Newcomb. So you know, but he won't. But he also won't give you uh, a dominant performance. We yeah. know that. You're you know, you're trying to get six innings, three runs, four strikeouts. Like that's what you're going for. And with Newcomb, yeah. you can go seven scoreless with eight strikeouts. Like that's that's possible. Like. I would not be surprised if he stood up to one of these two teams and said, hey, I'm Sean oh. Newcomb. Here I am. I'm a beast. Oh, so, I really hope he does. Now. I'm going to be watching both of them this oh, week. I, I'm, I'm, I'm so in on this now <laughs> that you're starting him. I have to watch. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's talk some hitters here. The big devastating news of the week, of course, was that Trey Turner is down. Pedro Strope is public enemy number one for Jason and myself. Uh, he, he took out our first-round pick just as he was really peaking, man. J- yeah. Trey Turner had an amazing month. Ian, he had 22 stolen bases in June. Yeah. In June. So that's the devastating part. We're going to talk about four players that are going to be available in a lot of different leagues to where maybe you could replace. Like, you're not going to replace 22 steals in June, but it is stolen base focused here. So I've got Cameron Mabin. He's actually under 70% owned at CBS and ESPN, which is very crazy, I thought, because at ESPN, I get it. It's 10-teamer. That's their default. And outfield's deep. But at CBS... How was he only 64% owned? That was weird. He had 11 June stolen bases. We got Chris Taylor. He had nine stolen bases in June. Excuse me. Uh, Michael A. Taylor, 290 average, 11 homers, 
nine stolen bases since May 1st. He had a 219 average in April, so he had a bad April, and he's been pretty solid since. And then Orlando Arcia hitting 362 with four stolen bases mm-hmm. in his last 76 plate appearances. So replacing Trey Turner's stolen bases, who do you who do you like most here? And let's let's talk about these four guys. I like Cameron Maben so much. I love, love Cameron Maben so much. I went and traded for Cameron Maben this week in a dynasty league. I traded Francis Marte for Cameron Maben. Um, I, I can needed, get behind that for sure. Yeah, I, I'm very happy. With, I did it with the Roto Professor Eric Stashin. Um, he he wanted uh, Marte, and I wanted Maven. I, I look at Maven. This is what I see in Maven. Going back, it's always back to the prospects list for me uh, on guys like this. This was a top five prospect in baseball when he was 21 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, he was the centerpiece of a trade that brought Miggy Cabrera to your beloved Detroit Tigers. And I'll forever love him and Andrew Miller for it. And By Andrew the way, Miller. they're both good now, which is interesting. Well, no, it's it's what the, the guy Cameron Maben is right now is Byron Buxton eight years later. That's what I, or yep. six years later. That's what I'm seeing, and that's what I'm buying, and that's what I'm buying everywhere. Because Cameron Maben is, it takes time to get to this place. He's what, Victor Robles is what, everyone's talking about Victor Robles. Well, Victor Robles might end up being Cameron Maben for seven years until he gets to the place where he is no longer the freshman in high school or the sophomore in high school. Now he's a junior in high school. The junior in high school is a really good place to be because you're old enough. You're older than most of the kids there. You're bigger than most of the kids there, and you feel like you belong. And mm-hmm. I'm looking at Cameron Maben. He's you know Trout is out, so it's giving him a chance to start every day. He's got 24 stolen bases. I believe he has been caught stealing zero times. One time. One time. Then, then something I th- I in the last. I think it was recent. It I had agree. to be in the last couple of days. I got um, you covered here. Let's see. It was. No, it was actually it was actually back on May 19th. So and I'm I, wrong. But he has, but, he, but but one, but yeah. one. There is somebody. I think you might be mixing him up with somebody else who is actually not caught all year in the same Maven mold. But that doesn't matter. Maven looking great. Also having a little bit of power stroke for him. He's yeah. not a huge power guy, but four hundred three slug, six homers. Uh, I think he's got like a one eighty ISO. Let me see what his ISO is. His ISO is actually only one forty seven. I thought it was a little bit higher there, so I'm wrong on that. But I'll take. 12 homers if I'm going to get 45 stolen bases. And also, he's going to give you 15 homers because he was also out. I mean, the problem oh, with Maben, right. the right. problem that's with right. Maben is his injury, his Health. injury history, right? Yes. So he, that's part of his, that's part of what you got to understand that you're getting with him. But, you know, he's got six home runs in uh, how many at bats? I mean, 275. So he's going to get, he's going to play every day. He ends up with 15 home runs and with 55 stolen bases. I wow. mean, and 120 runs. I mean, he's your best chance. Cameron Maben is to replace those stolen bases. The, the I just think volume. if Cameron Maben is on your wire, to me, going into next year, Cameron Maben is a top twenty outfielder. Going if he can stay Ooh. healthy, is a top twenty outfielder going into next year. Especially when Trout gets back, obviously that's going to make him even better. I think. You know, I'm not a huge quote unquote protection guy, but you also can't ignore that. You know, having somebody like Trout in the lineup is more impactful than not. And so I do think that guys like Maben and Andrelton Simmons were benefiting a lot from Trout being there. He took batting practice yesterday, by the way. He, he's due back in two weeks, Ian. Mike Trout is. That's like, good. He's unbelievable. Yeah. I say yeah. get Maben, obviously, if he's on your wire 100%. 100%. If not, if you lost Trey Turner, try to trade for Maben. I don't think the price is going to be that high. You paid Francis Martez. Folks are very concerned about his health which is understandable, but that's going to keep the price down, and you don't 
you don't have the ability to, to be picky, really. You've and and wait, let me just say this move. about Maben on the player rater, ESPN player rater, which I'm on right now. He's rated right now number 50 for the season. Again, he was out for three weeks, he and he's time. at number yep. 50 for the season. The, the outfielders that are behind him are Giancarlo Stanton, Avasil Garcia, Lorenzo Cain, <sighs> Justin Upton. Um, that the, first one you said was the mic drop, though. Stanton's behind him. Yeah. Well, Holy because maybe, and also we're in a we're in a climate where stolen bases are hard to come by. Exactly. This is, so you know you're getting a guy who's going to steal if he stays healthy. He's going to steal somewhere between forty and sixty bases, somewhere in there, maybe between fifty and sixty bases. And he's not Billy Hamilton, where he's going to hit one home run over the course of the year and hit two hundred two. He's hitting in you know, and he's slumped this week. Believe me, he's slumped, but. If he can keep his average in the 265, 270 area, and he's going to hit you 15 home runs, and he's going to steal you 45 to, to 60 bases, what are we talking about here? If he's available I mean, on your wire, go get him. 284 average and 11 stolen bases for the month. Like you said, slumped last week, only only went three for 23. It's a it's a bad week. I, I don't really freak out on that. I think Maven can hit 270. And, and another worthy point. 13% walk rate. His OBP is yes, the that's right. That's going to keep the stolen base opportunities cooking for Cameron Maben. So, uh, okay. So we're very much, he's our number one here. Let's assume he's not available for some of these other folks. The two Taylors, Chris and Michael A. and Orlando Arcia. Who would be your favorite among that bunch? Um, Chris Taylor. I, I love Chris Taylor. I also like Michael. T- I like all three of these guys. I and mean, if they're available on your wire, they're worthy pickups. Arcia is a is a one of the most highly touted prospects we've seen in a long time. Struggled when he came up, no surprise. And he's a really good buying opportunity in dynasty leagues and a good pickup opportunity, especially for shortstop. Moves right in. Chris Taylor slowed down. Uh, certainly, I mean they're figuring something out about him, maybe. Um, sure. But he's still getting every day at bats pretty much. Um, and another guy that I really like is I like Michael Taylor. You know, Tony Kornheiser, I do I do, do the Tony Kornheiser show and we talk baseball. Uh, Barry Verluga was on and, you know, Tony hates Michael Taylor, has hated Michael Taylor for years. He's a, he's a Nats and he, fan. And he's been, I mean, he's been terrible. 73 WRC or OPS plus in 15, 71 last year. I mean, he was like a fantasy guy because he would give you a little pop, a little speed, but he didn't do anything with it. This year, Michael Taylor, age 26. Again, the common, the common theme here. Guys need some time. And more guys than not actually need the time. And I think, again, these new aging curves that uh, our own Jeff Zimmerman has done and shown, they're, they're curves, but they're for the general populace. They're not for everybody. And I think we're forgetting that a lot of guys are still going to need a 1,000 plate appearances before they really get their footing. Guess how many Taylor has now? 10, 1031. And, and these last 240 this year, he's hitting 280 with a 111 OPS plus, 11 homers, 9 stolen bases. Yeah. I actually dig him a lot, too. I'm going to go Maven, Michael Taylor, Chris Taylor, Orlando RC. I just I think RC is still going to have ups and downs. I agree with you, though. Dynasty opportunity for sure. But I'm going to go Maven and the two Taylors as, yeah. my, uh, as my tops. I like it. I like all, all of right. them. Let's uh, let's talk a few free agent hitters here, and then I, and then I gotta get you out so you can get with the family. Uh, we talked to Clint Frazier, a few other guys that are going to be available, and I just want to get your general thoughts: Scooter Jeanette, Franklin Barreto, Randall Grichuk, Jock Peterson, and Paul DeJong. Um, let's just go in order. Scooter Jeanette's actually having a really good season, and it's not just the four homer game. In fact, I think you can lift the four homer game yeah. out of his numbers, and it would still be a pretty damn quality season, especially for Scooter Jeanette. Any interest in, 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 in Scooter Jeanette as a uh, batting average, little pop, 
middle infielder. Yeah, totally. I mean, he he can start on on a on a twelve team league at the middle infield position happily and easily. Uh, he doesn't give you the speed that you want from that spot. That from I middle want from that yeah, spot. Yeah, I, agree. I, I really, you know, that's why I try. D Gordon is a guy that I pretty much try to get everywhere. Um, because I love to to have the freedom of getting the stolen bases from the middle infield. It just frees up so many other opportunities. Um, but Jeanette is certainly a worthwhile own in a in a certainly fifteen team league, no doubt twelve team league as well. I mean, he's he's bringing it. He's and, really bringing it. And you can spot him. I think in, in in even some ten teamers if you're in the wrong. You know, you got some injuries that you're dealing with. Like he's been that good. If they if they've got a run of like seven righties coming up. Yeah, maybe Scooter Jeanette's somebody you look at. Uh, Franco Barreto is another prospect that got called up by Oakland. Twenty-one years old, uh, was having a really strong season down in Nashville. Really young, kind of getting you know knocked around his first time through here. Four for twenty-two. Is he going to get sent back down soon? Yeah. Um, okay, so you're not yeah. that. You're not I, that I think he's going to get. I think he should get sent back down soon. I think it, a, a little cup of coffee for him is a is a is a wise choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he came up, he hit a home run in his first at bat. I think it was. It was. Um, yeah, so it was like, all right, here he is. We've been waiting for the guy who they traded Josh Donaldson for, um, for all these years. That's um, a lot of expectations on him. Yeah, he's the last remaining piece that can turn that deal around, right? That was a, that was a really bad day for the Oakland A's organization. <laughs> Such a bad. Day. That was so stupid. Even at the time, and I love Brett Laurie at the time. Like I, I was yeah. a Brett Laurie honk. And yeah, no yeah. No matter but... how much you felt about him, that was a terrible. There was there's just no justification for that trade. I'm sorry. Well, he he got he got into a fight with the boss man. I mean, he yep. told the boss man that he didn't like him, and you know, and boss man stays, and Donaldson goes, and. That's how it Just works. Donaldson's Just Donaldson. It's yep. a bad, that's, that's bad, exactly bad day in the Oakland A's organization. So, yep. Beretta, redraft, ignore, dynasty, yeah. business I, as usual, hang on to him. Uh, yeah, I, I, that's that's where I'm at. He's not, right, he's not for the, redraft. Let's talk about the Cardinals together. Uh, Gritchuk back up, doing his thing. I feel like he does this every time. When he gets a demotion, the second he comes back up, he immediately crushes, and he'll probably kind of meander back to his, his disappointing self. But this Paul DeJong guy, I don't know if it's Paul DeYoung. It is DeYoung, excuse me. Paul DeYoung, six homers, hitting 277. Is this like the next, you know, Piscotti, Matt Carpenter? He's actually too old to be one of those guys because he's at 23. They usually bring these guys up at like 25, 26. But uh, Grichuk and DeYoung, who do you like there? If Between the two, I like DeYoung. 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 Um, better than I like Grichik. I think Grichik is what Grichik is right now. I mean, did you say earlier that you thought he was just Josh Reddick? I mean, or no, uh, Colby Rasmus? Uh, I actually said that about Jock Peterson. But oh. with Grichik, the issue is that he's not special anymore. A few years ago, ju- just just a two years ago, when, when he was that big power guy, uh, and he only had 17 homers in, in 350 plate appearances, that was huge, though. We weren't getting any offense. Now that everybody and their brother is hitting double home runs at, you know, every other game, the fact that he crushes the ball and he's the stat cast darling, it doesn't really mean anything for Grichuk. So I like him, and he does still crush the ball. He's 25 years old. Long term, I'm kind of interested if he can figure it out, maybe hit 280. Uh, actually, that's way too high if he strikes out that much. He's got to figure out a way to hit just 260 with the power, but that's – that's bland. That's available everywhere. So I'm just not that hyped on Grichuk anymore. I think DeYoung is the is the better of the two as well. Peterson is the one I keep comping to Colby Rasmus. And, and I really think that's where he's at now. I love Jock Peterson. I kept telling y'all, like, he ran a bunch in the minors. Maybe he'll yeah. eventually run. He's a leadoff hitter. He's not going to. He's going to sell out for power. He's having a good run right now. But 
again, this offensive environment of a no batting average power guy, that's not that's not valuable. It's just not that valuable at no. all. And I know he's hot right now, 333 average and six homers in his last 15 games for Jock Peterson. But I'm just kind of unmoved by it in 10 and 12 teamers. 15 teamers, sure. Yeah, because yeah. he's the top of the lineup of a, of a quality lineup. 100% you got to have him. But beyond that, meh, right? Yeah, and back to the Cardinals for a second. You know, one thing that I that I a guy I've been following all season is Luke Voigt, who uh, just got called up and who mm-hmm. has been just ripping the ball. I mean, he's just hitting. He's just hitting down on the farm. And I just read that Carpenter's been back to taking some ground balls at second base, which you know, with Wong out on the DL, which makes me happy on so many different levels. One, I think Carpenter's a better player when he's not at first base. I just think yes. he hits better. Um, I think that he's when he's at first base. He, I don't know what it is, but all I know is it's been one of the worst seasons. It's been his worst season in so many, many, many years. And I'd like to see him get back to second base. It also holds his eligibility next year for second base, which will be good. And I also think that Voit is um, has some potential to. Uh, and this is to- this this is peak Cardinals, a 26 year old who seems to be able to just hit. Like you look at his at his uh, minor league numbers. He just hit for them, and now he's called up. Had, had a huge season at, at Memphis this year. This Luke Voigt did 12 homers, 322 average, 967 yeah. OPS. He's uh, 6'3", 225. Looks a little bit, I think 225 listed is is generous. Uh, but he looks like a uh, just a hitter. So you're, you're talking Luke Voigt, NL only. Anything beyond that? Any mixed league viability? Uh, you know, I, I was thinking really dynasty league. I mean, I okay. think that he's a dynasty league pickup. He's a guy you can stash in your minors. I had him in my minors. I had to just drop him for space. Because uh, I keep falling in love with other guys, um, but he was a guy who I added. I guess it was about a month ago. I mean, he was just ripping the ball, and, and I always like to hear what the front office guys are saying about players, guys that they really like, you mm-hmm. know. And I read an article where um, they were talking about how they're just so impressed with the way Void is handles himself and how he, he's hitting the ball down on the minors. I was like, I'm gonna go get that guy, um, and he's continued, and now he's up. So he's somebody who. Yeah, and not only for sure, and it looks like he might get some playing time, so he might be a sneaky pickup even in a 15-team league. While we're on the Cardinals, Tommy Pham is a guy that uh, continues to interest me, and I, I used to pick Gritchuk in the Gritchuk versus Pham uh, debate there. Now I'm on Pham, yeah. 29 years old. Again, this is peak Cardinals to have some guy 29 years old who was a, a middling prospect, if anything, back in the day, uh, got his eyes fixed. He had some, he had some eye issues Huge. that he had to get taken care of. And now he's beasting. 289, uh, batting average, nine homers, nine stolen bases, in just 201 plate appearances. Is Tommy Pham someone that's going to get enough playing time? I know Fowler's out right now. Does Pham keep the playing time when Fowler gets back? If Fam keeps famming the way Fam is famming, famming, <laughs> then Fam keep playing. Um, I will say this: anytime you read "got their eyes fixed," go buy him. So, I like agree. right before the season last year, Wilson Ramos got his eyes fixed. fixed, and it's like, wait a minute, you're telling me you're seeing the ball all blurry? This thing's coming at you at 98 miles an hour, and you're barely seeing it. And he's and like, "And you were yeah. still a major league player." And you're still a major league player, and now you can see the ball. I'm gonna go buy you. And look what Wilson Ramos did last year. So getting your eyes fixed is like the best thing that can happen. I completely agree. Whenever I see it, I instantly put a star next to that guy. Um, just 100% agree there. So, yeah, Fam, somebody I'm keeping an eye on. And Me we too. talk about. Fam is somebody you should pick up. I, I you agree. Know, I, I Not, rem- nine stolen bases right now. 
in that could be your Trey Turner replacement. Now I know it's outfield, and you got to finagle the the shortstop. Yeah, but I mean, he's only owned in thirteen percent of leagues here that I'm where I'm looking, and Tommy Pham should be owned because is Grychek when when Fowler comes back, are they going to really sit Pham? Pham? I don't, I don't think, think so. so. Not not the way he's playing. So I think Fowler, Piscotty, and Pham would be the would be the guys that would get the pre- the, the the most precedent there. I, I and would then think Grichik would have to fight for his scraps. Yeah, I think. Okay, uh, well, Ian, I think that's going to wrap us up. I know that uh, that that you've you've got turn working right now. Anything else in the works with with acting, or do you get some time off here to enjoy the summer with the fam? I'm doing, you know, I'm doing a lot of publicity right now. So like, there was just my wife got so excited because I did this interview for Us Weekly. Um, and so like there was this, and they were like, there's going to be an article this week. It was like a big freaking article. It came out last night. Now um, she can weekly. justify reading it. I'm just reading Ian's article. <laughs> right. I don't my, read this. Nicole, my wife does not read us weekly, but she, she like, she doesn't get the magazine when she was pregnant. Both times we got, uh, subscriptions. And then she's like, okay, now this has to go away because this is not good for anybody. Um, but it's so she was pretty food for the brain. Yeah. But she was pretty excited about that last night. Um, and I'm going to be on channel 11 in New York, which if you're in the New York area, channel 11 is like the station you grew up with. Like I grew up with, and I'm going to be doing their morning show on July 4th, talking about turn George Washington. And tonight, uh, Saturday at 9 p.m. on AMC. I don't know if the podcast is going to get up it by would, then. It'll be up, yep. Um, episode four of season four is going. And again, more people have had the chance to, people are listening because more people are binging turn on Netflix and they're catching up on the show and they're really loving it. It's a it's an amazing ride. You just got to you gotta get through those first couple episodes and sort of get the, the basis of the story down and then uh, you're on for, you know, I'm not saying we're Game of Thrones. But uh, we're we're one of the better shows on television. Excellent. I really appreciate you being on. Um, I, I would love to do it again sometime. Hey, man, I am your Wally here. Pip. I am your Wally Pip. I'm your reverse Wally Pip. Colette is Gehrig, and I'm really happy to come in when, uh, when, when you need a spot. Well, sounds great, Ian. I'll definitely be hitting you up, and then uh, I'll be texting you during those Newcomb starts for sure. Thanks for being on. Thanks, buddy.